Welcome to the Dance Centre podcast. I am your host, Claire French, and I'm joining you from the traditional unceded territories of the Musqueam, Squamish and Tsleil-Waututh peoples, also known as Vancouver, Canada. I'll be talking to dancers, choreographers and other members of the dance world here on the West Coast to find out more about their creative work and practices and to discuss what it means to us to be dance professionals today. Thanks for joining us. Chimeric, an award-winning interdisciplinary art collective co-founded by Sammy Chen and Shang Han Chen in 2009 and since 2014 has been functioning as a non-profit arts collective with the primary base in Vancouver, BC. Chimeric has already made its mark as an award-winning interdisciplinary collective consisting of artists from underrepresented groups. They've collaborated in over 300 multidisciplinary projects internationally, ranging from global enterprises to local arts organizations. Sammy Chen and Caroline McCall co-run Chimeric. Sammy is a first-generation Taiwanese-Canadian immigrant and queer artist of colour, director, performer, researcher and mentor who works with film, sound art, new media, performing arts and spiritual practice. Caroline is a femme-identified queer artist with backgrounds in movement and dance, new media and mediumship. In recent years, they have been focusing on researching and performing ritual practices digital technology, and authentic spiritual work in connection with the larger topics of race, gender, and deeper human connections. I'm joined by Sammy Chen and Caroline McCall of Chimeric. Very excited to talk to them. We have so many things to talk about. They have a dance lab, an interdisciplinary dance lab at the Dance Centre at the end of July. And so this is partly our timing, but we could talk about so many things. They've done so many projects that have been on at the Dance Centre and so many projects that have been on at the theatres around the world, as well as uh, all in Vancouver, all around Vancouver. So without further ado, we will say hello. Sammy, Caroline, hi, please say hello. <laughs> hello. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> and I would like to start by finding out a little bit about each of you individually to lead to what I hope will be the crux of our conversation around how you came together and the niche that you've created, both that Comerica's created, but that you two have particularly have created in the dance world. So, but first let's talk about maybe your training or how, how you came to combine the digital worlds and the dance worlds and however you would like to respond to that question. So my, uh, I guess the dance training, I don't actually have any institutional dance training at all in my background. Mm -hmm. It kind of came to my life when I was a filmmaker. Uh, so I have a background in film, it more more in experimental film. And then during this process, uh, you know, working in film, I, felt, I started to feel uh, film was a bit too hierarchical. The process was too linear for me, you know, and takes a long time to actually see the result of the work. And um, I'm, I also have background in electrical music and working with like digital media to create a new uh, music interface with uh, the technology. So I was trying to combine uh, new technology with film, so visual art making and in live uh, performance environment. 
right? So that's when I got into dance, you know. So mm-hmm. I was luckily worked with um, Troca Ranch, called the pioneer of digital performance from New York City. Now they are based in Berlin. The creator of Isadora, Marco Inglio, was my mentor who brought me into the whole new media interdisciplinary dance performance kind of a field. And that, that was my entrance to, to dance, you know, working with robot, robotics and uh, projection technology and contemporary dance. And then from there, I just, yeah, kept continue working with dance companies, choreographers, learning from, you know, numerous, numerous pro- choreographers. I mean, we're talking about over like probably 500 projects, you know, in, in collaboration. So most of my learning comes from working with really amazing people who have really, very like interesting research and story to tell with the body and integrate that with the technology. Yeah, and so I'm really grateful today to be able to, you know, continue working on this kind of, to share this kind of journey, continue to grow and develop uh, new, you know, stories and way of expanding the the you know, the way of story, storytelling with the body and technology. Yeah, thank so. you. I love that. Just before we go any further, just I'd like to mention there's a, a film that you made that I was able to watch and it, the name just escapes me, but it you were telling, you were talking about your dream, a, a dream. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And there's a... I don't know, Liquid Stars. Oh, yes. The section I saw was just, it was just a trailer of it, but what I, and it was in it was a subtitled, but what I really loved about that was what you were talking about right there was this sense of the body or this sense of a body, even as a dreamer, <laughs> being the subject of the story. And then the way in which that motion, the way in which the dream is then captured in the film is both very much experimental in the in the way that you're talking about in this interdisciplinary sense, but very much with the body at its center. So I just, I see that in the very early work of yours, which is as a, a beautiful space for it to be in the kind of film as opposed to the theater world, but I see the correlation in the work. Mm. And I just, I just wanted to mention that because I think it's just a beautiful representation of what you were talking about right there. So. Oh, yeah, thank you. Thank that. you for mentioning that. Yeah. And that, and that was my early days of working with dance too. Like one, that's yeah. one of my early dance film in dream trans film kind of world. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was, that was something else. Yeah. And then it was, I was happy to revisit that after, you know, 12 years of, you yeah. know, of making. Yeah. And yeah. I forgot to mention too, the, there's a bit of Qigong background, uh, about eight years of Qigong work I've been I've been doing and huh. I, you know, do, haven't done teaching so much, but, you know, I teach uh, voluntarily for communities, you know, the Qigong teacher just passed away recently. So I'm trying to also to honor that as well in, in our work. Uh, mm-hmm. So there is Qigong practice, uh, working with energetic uh, in the body and uh, the flow of energy in the body with, uh, with, with our work together. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you. Okay. Caroline. Yeah. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> About me, who am I? What is my training? My background, I graduated from SFU. I did their School of Contemporary Arts Dance program. But during my time there, I really, I questioned what I was kind of doing in in the way that I was maybe not, not fully satisfied with just the classes that were kind of offered, considering that they were mainly from like an older modern perspective, which there's a ton of value with. But I was kind of curious about what else is possible during that time. And I did a semester abroad in Berlin, which I was very lucky to do in my third year, uh, which really opened a lot of possibilities for me and the idea of like, what does it mean to actually have more of an interdisciplinary practice? I started thinking a lot about at that time, 
how I could use video to actually choreograph my work and rather than just videoing my work and how that could be kind of in a interesting dialogue, how the 2D and the 3D body can like translate from one to another. I was really interested in how kinesthetic response and algorithms could play in with what I was doing, which led to me actually working with uh, Stefan Smolovitz at SFU and learning a bit about Max MSP. After that, I had kind of been trying to do some research. This will kind of lead into how I ended up meeting Sammy, actually, was Mm -hmm. I was trying to do some research on who in Vancouver was doing dance technology work. Dance technology is kind of a small niche. It has a long history, but I was researching a little bit about who was kind of doing that currently in Vancouver. I was also really curious about the Berlin dance scene at that time. So I had also Googled who's doing that in Berlin. And actually Sammy's name came up on both occasions, which was very interesting because I I didn't know too much about Sammy's work at that time. I've heard about him just from the professors at SFU and people mentioning him in the community. And I've seen him at events, but I didn't know too much about exactly what Sammy was doing other than what I read, which was a lot of articles on dance technology and how he was using Isadora. I reached out to Sammy uh, with a cold email, just being like, hey, I think your work is really interesting. I would love to get to know more about it and to meet you. And Sammy is a very busy person. So I was very lucky that he actually responded and had a show coming up that, that weekend. So I got to see a work in progress of his showing of Weaves, which is like a dance technology project, which was very evocative and was totally kind of in alignment with kind of the work that I was very interested in and quite different from what you see in Vancouver dancing. So I was really excited to see that. And it was just so interesting to see how the relationship between the digital body and the uh, physical body in space in real time and not on film. So that's kind of how we officially met. Yeah. What I what I love is the 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 Berlin connection and the experimental connection, the curiosity about what is possible that might only can only be possible through interdisciplinary thinking or through mm. you know like instead of expecting it to come from one discipline, you're already open to this potentially coming from the either the uh, interrelation of the different disciplines or from an entirely different discipline to influence mm-hmm. another discipline. That's something that I am so passionate about too. Yes. And I recognize in, in both of you and in our com- other conversations we've had and in working, you know, in watching your work or in, you know, working with you as I have with Caroline, that is like, is so connected as well to me, like in how I love to work. And I think there's a, it's, it's really hard to explain but it is a very different way of working and it's a very different way of being in a studio, I feel. Like even arriving in the studio, there's a different, you prepare differently to be in the studio in that way if you're in that interdisciplinary mindset. So I think it's a really beautiful thing. I would just like to mention that Caroline and I did work together quite recently and I actually first saw Caroline in a piece with Sammy, was in the company Raska dance lab or the what at what lab and that's where I first saw Caroline move but you were moving together Uh that's the first time I'd seen Caroline and then when we worked together Caroline brought the digital thinking and all of that and that was like a revitalization for me of that Uh whole Uh kind of relationship and so I'm you know very excited about that 
for in my work as well as you know just want to kind of acknowledge and appreciate everything you brought to that project and opening that door again for me is really has has been really wonderful but i think that there's a there's a really interesting sammy you mentioned age aging like you know mm-hmm. experience and all of these things and the the wonderful relationship between different ways of thinking about technology depending on how much it's available to us Um, you know, and what that means to be creative with technology. Um, So I wonder if you could, we could jump into, there are two things again, I always have two things I want to talk about at all times. So (laughs) one of them is, yeah, exactly. I mean, I just can't help it. One is the the kind of array, a diverse array of projects that you work on as Chimeric that you are kind of in a way commissioned to do. And then the other is the which I feel is maybe the other end of the spectrum of Chimeric, which is the spiritual work that mm-hmm. you you meet in and that meets in your work. So with that idea of it being like where technology is now and what access we have to it, and there's that creative thing, then there's also the rootedness that you two seem to find in your work with technology and spirituality. So there are the two things. There's the Scale, the the kind of range of creative work that you do and offerings that you give to projects and then there's the at the core of chimeric and your artistic work i'm not suggesting that it's different but i would like us to talk about those two things in a slightly mm. different way mm-hmm. such a good question yeah i i am very much like i'm still thinking about what you just kind of shared Um, about this interdisciplinary body thinking with technology and and how Caroline didn't talk about the mediumship training too. There's something they're all kind of conjuring together in this like big, bigger question, I think. You know, how I think there is something essentially connecting all things together. You know, we as human, we try to focus on one thing at a time so we don't get too overwhelmed, right? But the more and more we do kind of interdisciplinary and body thinking, the more we realize that, you know, more there is more interconnectivity between different fields of thinking, you know, so then you, you can actually be more and more focused on the deeper layer of those interconnectivity. And then then you there you open up a bigger world or a deeper world in other sense, you know. So I sometimes people I kind of joke about like like our focus is on interdisciplinary thinking you know our focus is on being multidisciplinary so you know at the same time that is a very focused way of working and researching you know it takes a little more out of your body in some way but there is a deeper muscle that connects it all and then the technology itself is the connection in many ways you know that that's what ties everything together it helps you to connect all the muscle together with collecting data together you know finding in different pathway to connect different data different thinking different field that seems different separate from the outside but on the inside and the deeper layer they are all, all coming from the same source so that's why we kind of bridge spirituality because there is a lot that you know in spiritual thinking that really encourage us to think outside uh, you know of the box you know and deeper into the sense of what's invisible to the eyes right and as a you know somatic artist dance artists we understand that you know a lot of things we do we research we share we cultivate are not visible to the eyes you have to feel in the body you know and really feel in your heart and I think I think something we talk about a lot it's like how does technology actually facilitate mm-hmm. this journey 
and facilitate the transmission of this data. So then the audience are not watching something flashy that has nothing to do with the work itself, but um, but actually open those kind of spectrums of light or bandwidth of data for them to understand. Ah, I think I can see that in the body in some way. I can feel it. Now I can, you know, the technology is also telling me that this is it, you know, and something clicks in, right, mm-hmm. in those frequencies. So so I think that's kind of um, the, the, the work, I think, the heart of one of the heart of work that we are, we are researching and our goals to trying to, you know, convey, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I'm just going to add to that a little bit. One of the methods that we've been kind of approaching with using technology is actually using it as a collaborator rather than a tool. If you treat it like it is a collaborator, then you're kind of in this constant dialogue of like, why are we using this and what is it saying and what is its role as well? And I think that practice really integrates the technology into the work in a deeper kind of sense so that it is kind of able to continue to give a deeper access point to like some of this deep kind of somatic work that we're doing. This kind of approach for us has been specifically before I, when I didn't work with Chimeric versus when I do work with Chimeric now, I think it's been a complete like world shifter because I really feel like the technology is just as important as every other piece. Therefore, it doesn't feel like an extra or an add-on or, you know, especially in the new media community, sometimes you can see work that like Sammy was touching on, is very flashy, which is a totally, it's its own aesthetic. And I think that that's great too. But we're also trying to think about like, what else is there and how else can this be used as a way to have a deeper understanding? Yeah. And then specifically answering your question about kind of the two sides of Chimeric. So we do work in more of a collaborative matter on design projects for artists, mainly doing projection design for theater and dance, as well as other kind of live performance. But we also have a big side where we're producing our own work, which is more of this like deeply spiritual kind of work, either in dance or film, other kind of interdisciplinary practices, sound. Media arts. Media arts. It kind of goes on the list. (laughs) Yeah, I think kind of the biggest thing is with what you're saying is like these two pieces, even though they're separate, they are deeply integrated to one another because what we're learning with one project then always is continuing our growth and development for our deeper understanding of how technology can be a collaborator. And the two sides, some of them is also a financial needs as well, That's right? True. Like we are actually full-time artists, right? Our, all our source of income is making art, you know, making production. <laughs> and I know some people might be like, oh my God, that's so great. You know, I'm so jealous. But at the same time, it's like, it's actually a lot of work. You're working 24 hours a day. You cannot turn off your brain. Uh, so now we have two kind of compartmentalization. One is design for service. So people hire us to design their work. Uh, with the technology projection and all that stuff like Caroline talked about, even sound as well. So we design different like avenues. And then yeah. and then there's parts that we lead the project, we do the storytelling, we produce our own work, and that's like a different hat and different way of like working. So then th- those two are kind of uh, <laughs> occupying our pretty much our whole life. Yeah. Yeah. And I've I've had my whole career has been a similar a similar kind of you know, multi pathway in that I've I've done a lot of what I call service choreography and that's not to undermine the work or the contract or any of those things, but it's, but it's to say that the other people have had some criteria, you know, Mm -hmm. or like, or a set of 
constraints that um, they've asked, they feel that I can come in and work with, right? And then, of course, as you say, there's the art making side where all of those those components are about your choices, and that mm. process is a, a quite a different way of kind of dealing with your same art making you know like the process might be different but essentially there's um, the essence of you as an artist is in both you know and I think that's what you're talking about there that there I I love what you were saying about facilitating the transmission of the data because that language if you were to see it written down could be so like almost like codified language or like used in any other discipline but Mm -hmm. when you think about what that means when you're transmitting information or data from the body about the body and mm-hmm. about relationships, there's a level at which you're just like, wow, that sounds so simple and intricate and how, you know, so that's wonderful because then that's your process, right? <laughs> then the, I'm, then I'm that's, getting goosebumps just hearing you talk yeah. about it. <laughs> but I just feel like it's lovely because the way Caroline was saying about algorithms and, and code and the fact that you've, in order to do the work you do, you've had to learn all of this. I have composer friends who code, who have had to learn so many programs in order to do the art they want to, to make the art they want to make. Mm -hmm. And that dedication and that devotion, we don't hear about very often, you know, like Mm -hmm. it's magic, right? To an audience a lot of the time, or it's just, somebody's just gifted. And all of this work is like what's happening in the background in order to be able to achieve the artistic vision part. So I think this is really a healthy conversation around all of that because also healthy because the goal is also connected to your embodied practice and is about how an audience will can engage with the embodiment of the practice. So anyway, I just like, I mean, I could go on about this forever. Love it, love it. <laughs> so let's get like into practical stuff a little bit and we'll come back around. How do you get around the world the way you do? How do you do the projects that you do back to back at the same time? And you also have a stream of like mentorships, apprenticeships. And I connect them, of course, because that's one of the ways that you can do it because you need more people because mm-hmm. you don't have enough time you know, to do it. But, mm-hmm. but you are international mm-hmm. as well as very much local. And I think that the scale at which you're working with apprentices, interns, that you're mentoring people speaks to the scale that you are aiming for with chimeric, which I, I, now I've said right. Sorry, I've said chimeric so many times. Chimeric. It's, okay. it's meant <laughs> okay. to be obscure the way okay. you can pronounce it. Yeah. Okay, oh, that's convenient. Chimeric is good too. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So the, the, there is a scale at work here, right? There's an international scale as well. So could we talk about that practice? How is that? How are you doing that? How are you managing that? <laughs> I'll go first. <laughs> <laughs> it's been it's been a long time of like figuring out, especially for Sammy working in this industry for a long time, um, how to make this a bit more sustainable because it is challenging to be working on multiple projects at a time with multiple people. But we've been really working on a new kind of training program, which you've mentioned a little bit, uh, where we're really trying to give like younger artists the opportunity to actually get paid properly and learn and be able to kind of take on some of these projects because we want to have a community that is focused on sharing resources and learning and creating great art uh, because that's like at the core of our values. And so through this journey, it's been a lot of like, I mean, the last couple of years, especially with COVID, everyone's wanted to like put their show up and 
we've been at times managing up to 12 projects at a time. Mm-hmm. And it's been challenging, to be honest. And so right now we're in a really interesting and exciting phase where it's quite transitional with Chimeric and our growth. Uh, we have Julie as Julie Chapel as our new general manager. So she's been helping us scheduling everyone and making sure that people know where they're supposed to be and having all the information that they need. But also having Sammy and myself as more in advisor roles for certain projects so that people feel like they have the resource to be like, hey, I have this question. I don't know how to figure it out. I don't want to struggle through to try to spend hours and hours and hours trying to answer this question when I know that I could just ask Sammy or I could ask Caroline and So we've been really dividing the work in that way to also give more opportunities to these younger artists. It's been really exciting to be kind of growing as a team and building and not feeling like often in like the new media world or there's like this kind of competition like, oh, who's going to get the job? But we've been really trying to spread the work evenly so that people don't feel like they have to compete for work anymore, that everyone feels like there's enough for, for everyone and that we can lean on each other for each other's strengths rather than having to do it all out on our own. This t- kind of team working has really helped us um, move away from this like regular burnout kind of cycle that a lot of artists, especially like more design artists, composers, uh, projection design, all of these kind of things, lighting design, work in and kind of create a more well-rounded kind of team. So it's still in development for sure. We've just put on a call for a couple more interns and kind of growing our team across Canada, which is very exciting with more people in Toronto. And so Barcelona. in Barcelona, <laughs> we have people reaching out. So yeah, we're really trying to grow to this more international scale to kind of create a healthier a healthier system for specifically projection design. Yeah, and, and, and I'll just add to that is that for, for me, it's actually letting go of control because I've been I've been doing this, you know, I co-founded with my brother, Shanghai, like in 2008, 2009, it was just an idea of being interdisciplinary collaboration, being like able to, you know, shape shift to whichever form, you know, that whole interdisciplinary mindset, you know, in that very beginning that you were talking about. And then how how do you how do you create collective game and just personal game? You know, that's like you you know one plus one plus one equals like five. You know, that kind of stuff. And then I, I keep hearing about you know I'm I'm sure it's always a daunting thing that's haunting the whole art industry. Is like there's not enough resource, not enough money. People are gonna burn out. You know, you know people. It's never uh, something that set you up for success. You know, I hear that for over decades. You know, and then. I for the longest time I've always just ignore it. I, I kind of hear it as an as almost like a noise from the neighbor. I'm like, okay, there's there, you know, I acknowledge it, that's there. And then I just have to believe in myself that, you know, you, you can't you have to believe in what you do and then do them and there's no complaint. You just gotta commit to it not every little steps that you do. So I've been doing that over after ten years, I'm like how I survive, you know, I was able to, for, for a while, I was like barely paying my rent, you know, and I was like, oh, I got to check, pay for my rent. Oh my God. Okay. I'm, 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 I'm on the track of like survival. And eventually more and more, I, I was able to hire assistants, you know, and I was getting enough project. I realized, you know, it, there's a bit of growth that's happening. And just more recently, though, I got to disclose that I do feel that what people are talking about is really, really there in terms of like the lack of resource, you know, how we kind of almost like 
are working so blindly, just continuing what we can because of survival. There is not enough time uh, for self-care and actually reflection of what we do so we can be so intentional each every step to hit that bigger goal or bigger growth. I've got to allow that stuff is really, really real. So then that's why, you know, when I was working with Caroline, she's so smart. She uh, she almost took like more than 10 years of research experience and combined into like a couple of years, so, you yeah. know, so she, she really supported me to really like formulate it, structure them and push them into the next level. So when I said letting go control is like the ideas, you know, that was developed for so long, I wasn't able to really, really actualize them and put on the next level. She's like actually implementing them and, and actualizing them. And mm-hmm. one of the biggest things we want to do is I should recognize that I went through a lot of burnout, you know, and I, there are so many projects that I never have even time to, to even uh, rec- record how many hours you put in a project. And when I start doing that more recent years, I realized, you know, you're getting paid way below minimum wage for, for a project you worked on. And then that's when I realized it's not sustainable. You know, you can't, you know, so then we came up with this whole um, producing idea of like how we can do some calculations and making sure that at least people are getting paid, you know, above minimum wage in the more industry, you know, minimum. And then we want to pay people above that. That is the minimum we can do, right? Because we should be aiming for more than the minimum because otherwise we should be, people should be expecting minimum quality of work, but we deliver the maximum quality of work, right? So so then we always try to, to say that is the least we can do, but we can always try for better. But so on, no one is going gonna go through what I gone through. I'm sure Clay we've gone through so much more too, in the sense of like you are just volunteering your time, volunteering your time, thinking that the next thing's gonna be better, you know? So we have some kind of structure to protect artists around that so they don't have to go through the same kind of you know, the struggle that we went through. Um, and then we're still working that with Julie, which we're very lucky, you know, to, she's so smart when her like programming mindset too. So we're trying to come up with a structure that, that can really, really, uh, you know, cultivate growth together and people can think of it as actually a career, not a hobbyist or a volunteer uh, kind of position that people just out of passion, right? Yeah. Yeah. I do want to just mention, because I feel like what we're talking about now is like, we've talked about self-care and there's well-being, but there is professional care and there is industry care. And I mm-hmm. think like, because Julie, Julie Chapel is a, is a creator as well and has this real understanding of, a, on a deep level of what it means to create mm-hmm. and I'm the same in the in the people I manage and work for and the festivals I coordinate and those kinds of things and I think that kind of attention is in how we approach work and so what's great about that is we can be looking for the same thing we can mm-hmm. be looking for how mm-hmm. we're caring for our profession and all of the people in it and what it means to Im- start to improve our professional standards but not necessarily they're not the paper standards because they're not quantifiable in the same way but it is a level of value you know that it's it's like it's value added tax or something you know like it's mm-hmm. like thinking about it how health does include economic and you know and well-being all of these things but also ethical practice and i just want to i want to connect that to when you when you started speaking, Sammy, about your history, you mentioned how you wanted to get away from film because it was hierarchical. And mm-hmm. then you mentioned here how you're actually learning to give up control. Yeah. And I feel like there's a really lovely progression that maybe with Caroline coming in to help release you from be, having to be the person who holds the overall vision. You know, mm-hmm. like it's suddenly a shared 
process or Caroline seeing it slightly differently, it helps to release you from that sense of, I have to know what this is in order to, you know, in order to run this, you know, there's a sense of feeling like you've created enough for other people to start to see what this could be and what it is. And that's what you're doing. And with the apprentices and the interns and all of those things, I think what's so great is Caroline mentioned that it's similar to like composers, uh, designers who tend to work alone and tend to work in isolation. And I think by offering opportunity for people to be in the space where you might choose to go as the lead person on a project. So you get to have all the conversations and then that you relay information to an intern and they do the background work. It seems like you've switched it. It seems like the interns are the ones who are getting the practical experience and the relationship experience by being in the room and being mm -hmm. part of the collaborative making of a work. And that is priceless. Like that is such valuable experience. So, you know, for you to then be the people on the other end of the phone who are tied to a computer who are like, you know, are like on mobile devices traveling the world is like it, that switches it for me. That switches the hierarchy immediately in terms of who's getting the experience and the really valuable experience as artists. So I just I think that's a really key, key thing to pivoting how we can create a sustainable future that it's not, it's not from the top down. It's almost coming the other way. The questions are coming from the interns who are in the room, you know, mm -hmm. and, the, and the feeding back to you for guidance. You can then answer the question from your yes. visualizing of all the rooms that you've been in. You know, that's like, so exactly. you nailed it right there. Yeah. Well, I love that. I feel like that's what mentorship is. And I feel like that's, mm -hmm. you know, and that's what collaboration is. And I think mm -hmm. you are kind of giving us the nuts and bolts of collaboration and, and how you're <laughs> building that. So I just, I just think that's really, I think that's really exciting. Really exciting. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> Thanks. So can we get back to the mediumship side? I, I mentioned that word particularly because it is in Caroline's bio. Um, could, is, you, yes. could you help us understand that a little bit? What would you like to share about how you relate to that? When, okay. when I saw your first performance together mm -hmm. at, at What Lab, Sammy, in the feedback at the end of that, Sammy talked about a level, uh, your connection on a spiritual level. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if that also I think connects to is it we are one or we were one the piece that you did you've done recently we, we were one it's we were one yes. past tense because it was based on your a residency and a trip that you made and I saw that showing I think mm -hmm. it was based on that not necessarily only based on that so <laughs> we can tell you more about it yeah I'm, I'm interpreting it in one way <laughs> however there were there were levels of conversation that came up there in a, a kind of like a way that you two connected. Mm -hmm. But it seems to me like also, Caroline, this kind of work has helped Sammy with the organization and the vision of the organization. So there's something about what has mediumship maybe, what skills or tools does it give you that you think you use in this chimeric context? Yeah. So our project We Were One is actually what we're doing at continuing at the dance lab showing as well. It's been a long research that kind of was seeded since 2020. I had kind of mediumship experiences that happened to me when I was in Berlin in 2019. And Thank so you. I was recommended to see a psychiatrist at that time because they thought that I was going through more of a schizophrenic kind of 
situation uh, because I was hearing voices and I was seeing things in space that were not real. And I really thought I was losing my mind at that time. Mm-hmm. Shortly after, I actually met Sammy when through my research too, artistically. And I told him about this experience because I hadn't really shared it with many people. I shared it with a couple of people and I really felt like they didn't understand what I was going through. So I, I kept it quite private and to myself. When I met Sammy, we saw some work together. I actually came and helped him on one of his workshops that he was doing on in the downtown east side. And I immediately just all of a sudden had to share everything with him. And it came out like rushing and I started crying. And I was like, what is this experience that I'm going through? Do you know anything about it? I know that you do a lot of spiritual work. I don't understand what this is. I'm waking up with bruises on my body. I'm really, I'm not doing so good so good. And uh, so he brought me to his spiritual teacher, Jeffrey, who is a Buddhist, Tibetan Buddhist, Tibetan Buddhist. Mm -hmm. So uh, Jeffrey, like really confirmed my experiences as real. And he really made me feel for the first time really seen. Yeah, Sammy, maybe Mm -hmm. can add a little bit too. So (laughs) so I was right there. And, you know, I was like, very much like Jeffrey, you know, because he's a person who actually saved my life, right? I was on the trajectory of burnout. And so yeah. it, it was very uh, reassuring to know this all the experience were real for her. It was validated. And, you know, he was bringing different tools for Caroline to kind of cope with and understanding more and more spiritual protocols and set healthy boundaries, mm-hmm. just like we need to do as human in, in, in every mm-hmm. field that we do, right? Yeah. yeah. I realized at that time I was just really open too. So I would like look at people in the eyes and I would feel and hear things about them that I wasn't supposed to know. And so I felt like I was constantly getting kind of overloaded with information. So through practice and actually going to see other multiple teachers after that, it's been a long time coming since 2019 now. I guess it's four years now of this kind of experience happening in my life and being able to kind of choose to use it in the most positive and helpful ways for myself and for others. And there's been like just so many crazy experiences that have been just mind blowing and really makes you question what is the purpose of this journey that we're on. It's been an immense amount of healing that we've been doing for ourselves and for other people. And it's been really interesting to see how that can also integrate with my artistic practice, because I really do think that this is like my kind of reason, my mission, like why my purpose, why I'm here and why I feel like my art is a more accessible way sometimes to share that kind of storytelling, either like vibrationally, which is a lot of what our research is, is like how we can transmit this energy through the body too. So it doesn't have to be so like literal, like telling you, this is what this person is saying to you or this or that. And so it's been expanding more and more over the last little bit working with more artists who have been open to it as well and yeah no I mean I think it's what's amazing for me is that it's like there's a a level at which we're talking about kind of an emotional an emotional kind of intelligence or wisdom alongside a, a practice and and I think I think it's so important that that there's because we there are so many things we do not know about the mm-hmm. world. There are so many things we can only pretend to know. And mm-hmm. so being open to all of these different ways of knowing is something that in the arts we're supposed to be really good at. You know, we're supposed to be more attuned to that, but it's remarkable how many of us are still afraid of that mm-hmm. and actually find ritual that we can understand 
which limits what we can create and limits mm-hmm. what we can imagine, but also limits our experiences of being in the world. And and I have to say this, this touches me deeply because I feel like that's why I mentioned the emotional wisdom and intelligence and the mental health, because there is this sense, it's a process, it's a practice. Mm-hmm. We have mm-hmm. to keep practicing this stuff. We don't know what it is to be. And also we've had so much loss in the dance world recently for so Mm -hmm. many reasons in the arts world for so many reasons. And we don't understand all of these contexts. And I think it's just, I think it's really important that we don't just avoid talking about this or ignore this stuff Mm -hmm. because it is part of our culture and is part of our, you know, it's now in the soil of our community. You know, it's, it's like, it's back in the soil of our community. And if we don't, address this on personal levels and on community levels, we are just going to stay on one level of suffering where we cannot come out of it. Mm-hmm. So thank you so much for sharing that. But I, I also think what a lot of people in the community, in the dance community know this now. And I think yeah. it is part of how you perform. I think it is what you bring to a process. I think that that honesty and that authenticity is what you bring. Yes. I love it. I so appreciate it. And I think that is also how it's part of our artistry. It's part of being an artist. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Claire, can I just add to a different layer or a different, mm. I would say a slightly different perspective, especially yeah. experience that with Caroline for a um, longer period of time. I, everything you said is so bang on about like that artist, it's almost that it's our job. It's our profession to have 100% permission to take the risk and to dive into the unknown, right? And that is probably only few professions in the whole universe that are granted. Like that's that's a thing that we should have the permission to do, continue to expand, to figure things out that is not here yet to continue to innovate. But I got to say, like studying by neuroscience, it's like our brain is constantly telling you to say, oh, that's scary. That's scary. Yeah. We need to be safe. You know, it's always referencing the past, past, past experience. And then, you know, whatever past experience is what's keeping us safe here, but you're doing something different now. So then I need to work so hard to figure out if you're going to be safe or going to be in danger. Right. So that's why I feel like I want to acknowledge that this is something that our body as a human is programmed in this mechanism to do that, you know, even as artists were granted to take risks, you know, sometimes, you know, it, it is okay to be scared of the unknown. And sometimes it's okay to know that this is what we were created by the create in the creation itself that, you know, we, we, we are, we have this brain mechanism to, to kind of keep us safe, you know, and to acknowledge that that's happening. Everything that we do now, we have slightly, you know, different perspective than most of people now because the information that we can gather and we have to be very careful and sensitive with the information that we share, how we share them, you know, so it, has, it creates more and more work and responsibility on us, you know. So, mm-hmm. One of the things that we figured out is that we are we are we are twin flames, you know, and that's why it's called We Were One. Is that we we have we had the same soul in past life, and that kind of information just like it's like explosions of galaxy in, in your in your body, right? It's like how can two people who look so different, different age, gender, and race, to have the same soul? and carry the same kind of soul data in the body. And knowing that, you know, for, for me, it, it strengthened us for sure in mm-hmm. our relationship, our, you know, our, our purpose in life, you know, why we're here. And yeah, sometimes it's okay not, not to know too, you know, yeah, there, there's yeah. building that. Yeah, absolutely. And to let something almost like, I'm just for want of a better term, but to pass 
through you on its journey to somewhere else. Mm-hmm. That it's you're just you're included in that idea that flight, but you are not going with, you know, mm-hmm. on that point. You were just you were, you know, you were kind of touched by it, and it goes and it moves on to somewhere else. There's mm-hmm. there's an, an element of that. I think in in creativity as well. There's this, you know, a, a few people talk about that. An idea might not be your idea. It might mm-hmm. it might pass through you yes. and move to somebody else. But yes, you yes. maybe you've done something with it as it as it passes through you for it to morph, maybe not, but it's not your responsibility to even know. It just, you were there at the time, you, you picked up something about it, it moves on and you move on on separate paths. And so there is that too, which I think is a, an exciting place in a creative life, you know, when you can, cause you can't react and respond to absolutely everything and you can't make work about everything. There just mm-hmm. isn't time, it takes too long to make something about one thing. <laughs> You've worked with a lot of different people in your collaborations, not just with the company inside of the company frame, but also who you've worked with. And so that I feel like that's an, an entire other podcast, but can we just get back to your showing at the end of July? And then maybe what a couple of your upcoming projects are like, maybe not 12, maybe choose three. <laughs> <laughs> How do you know there's actually twelve? Uh, we well, made a list. Caroline mentioned twelve. Yeah, she mentioned oh, twelve earlier. Yeah. I remember the I remember the number. <laughs> so yeah, let's let's just focus on We Were One for a second sure. too. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're really excited about this project because we get to finally do our dance lab showing. Unfortunately, in March it was canceled. Oh yes, due to COVID, which was really yeah. sad. But we're happy that it's finally aligning with time and actually in a really exciting way. We're actually going to the UK right before where we there's a mediumship school there that's the only institution in the world. So we get to do two weeks of training, like 12-hour days for two wow. weeks on like very specific training, which will be part of our research that gets integrated in the dance lab showing, which we're very excited about. We will also be really exploring how we can integrate technology this time at the dance lab showing. Mm-hmm. So that includes some interactive projection and really exploring how we can showcase energetic kind of expansion through projection in a really integrated way. Mm-hmm. So we're excited to see how that kind of develops in our time there. Mm-hmm. So we were one, we were working fully just fully focusing on in the past, you know, ritual, ritual work, you know, and also like the body as technology, right? Just really mm-hmm. dive into the energetic, the mediumship, the channeling and all that mm-hmm. stuff, right? So it was deeply somatic, somatic and spiritual work. And it's the first time for, we were one, we're going to really focus on integrating technology and the stuff you were talking mm-hmm. about, like, right? So that's how we, we're going to spend three days on just focusing on that and see what kind of uh, things may come out <laughs> with, yeah. the, with the projection and technology work. Yeah, so we're hoping to actually uh, have an open call for uh, our fifth dancer sometime in the fall or in the spring, depending on funding and kind of capacity. It's a very particular <laughs> role, so we'll have to see kind of like, people that I guess it really resonates with. Mm-hmm. So if you like this podcast, maybe you can consider. <laughs> <laughs> so stay tuned. Yeah, stay tuned. But after that, we will be going to Taiwan. Yeah, our plan is to do the residency called Dance on Fluid. It's uh, an old friend, uh, Wen Huang, who's a producer who works with uh, the horses 
dance theater in Taiwan Wukang, Chen Wukang. So we are gonna do a residency in Taiwan, and、um, there will be some. There's a couple of dance festival, and one is more like dance technology. No, it's like digital technology festival, like new media digital art festival in. Like October to December, and then there is another more. It's an island dance festival, so we are gonna you know participate both of them,、nice. and then、uh, visit lots of different places、um, mm. in Taiwan with different art performing art center, and that will be the beginning of the trip. And then we'll focus on our work and giving workshops, and we're gonna connect with the Chigong community, you know, because our, our teacher passed away, and then we're gonna try to connect with the. With the whole、uh, Qigong community to honor her and also share our work as well to see how some of this like traditional practice has、mm-hmm. integrated into a contemporary、uh, dance practice, and I think、mm-hmm. they will be really proud of us as well. Yeah, and those are kind of the research we want to dive into some of the roots. In- absolutely incredible! I just I would just like you to promise that you will come back to Vancouver. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, we will. Thank you. Excellent. Okay, <laughs> we will. That's the plan. That is definitely、uh, the plan. After that, we'll come back and、um, set the I'll, whatever I'll research we have. You. <laughs> you can bring you there. Yeah. yeah. Maybe you don't、exciting. want to come back. <laughs> I know. I know. Who, who's talking here? Is that me? Yeah, you. <laughs> I mean, we we are committed to premiere the work in Vancouver. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, okay. So, yeah. So in 2024. So. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's just—it's just so exciting, and we're—and we're really like, thank you for going so deeply into some of this、um, personal stuff there, and also—and we've only talked about some of the projects that you are, I know that we're you're working on, but I think we've got a really good sense of what Chamek is about and what is what underlies the work, but also its future. You know, like there is a real—you know—it feels like it is very connected, as you say, and it has this trajectory. It's expanding its own, like expanding world, but at the same time, it's you're also talking about how connected it is to all of these things. So, yeah, I really、mm. appreciate how you've spoken about all of this, and、uh, yeah, getting the chance to speak with you both at the same time is really is really wonderful. I think we'll end it there. I just want to say, there couldn't be a better person to host,、uh, moderate this conversation with someone who has such a deep somatic intelligent work in the past、mm-hmm. and working with dance technology with the pioneers. You know,、mm-hmm. so we're so grateful. And you has, you know, Carolyn loves you so much. So I know、well. there is some such a deep <laughs> friendship connection and you know、yeah. mentorship and all that. So、yes. absolutely, you know, so I love it. Oh, thank you, and、um, we will it, to be continued. Let's yes. say, okay,、awesome. yeah,、thank、such、you. a pleasure. Thanks so much. Thank, thank you, Claire. Claire, and thank you everyone for listening. Yes, thank you. Thank you so much for listening. We would love for you to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts, as this will help other listeners find us and help us to grow our dance audience. We'll be back next month. In the meantime, you can follow us on Facebook at the Dance Center, Twitter at Dance Center, and Instagram at the Dance Center BC. And if you'd like to support our work, please consider making a donation. Just go to our website at thedancecenter.ca, where you'll find extensive information about our upcoming programs and events. The music for the Dance Center podcast was composed by James B. Maxwell. Always a pleasure to connect with you through dance. Until next time.